the Rothschilds are one of the leading figures, but you have a whole grouping in what's called the City of London, which is centered around them. And these are the ones who make policy. A club of billionaires called the City of London that runs something called the Privy Council. An example of that is who's one of the operatives of the Privy Council? Trudeau. Trudeau. Exactly. Hey friends, Sean from SGT Report here. Thank you so very, very much for tuning in. That was my longtime friend and historian, Harley Schlanger. And sometimes doesn't it just feel like all roads lead to Rothschild Zionism? Well, Harley's back to explain why, at least in part, that is the case. Hey friends, welcome back. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope God is blessing you and your family with bounty friends in these days of tumult. And that's where we sit right now, the world on the cusp of World War III, first over Ukraine and the war with Russia, and now with what's going on in Israel. God knows what hell has taken place on Earth. Harley Schlanger is back to help me break it all down. Harley, welcome back. How are you, sir? I'm fine, Sean, and you're right. These are tumultuous times. Tumultuous times indeed, and I did cover this on Saturday with my friend and contributor Matt. U.S. cities on high alert amid Hamas day of rage threats. And Israel has given 1.1 million people in northern Gaza 24 hours to evacuate as UN warns of calamitous situation. Harley, how would you like to live in a hellhole called Gaza where you're trapped, essentially an open air prison, and now they're telling a million folks you got 24 hours to evacuate. Where are they supposed to go? Well, that's the point. There's no place to go. The, the UN refugee centers are all booked up. They're blocking the border with Egypt, uh, actually shelling as people are approaching it. Uh, look, this is the question you have to ask yourself. If you do have a certain amount of sympathy for Israel because of what Hamas is alleged to have done, how is killing children in uh, Gaza going to stop terrorism? There's an illogic to it. And it obviously has to be taken out of this immediate situation because what they're trying to do is get people in the United States to take sides, namely take sides with Israel, as though there's no pre-story here. Just like there's no pre-story in Ukraine before February 22nd, 2022. Well, the pre-story is actually the most important part. And that's what you're not told when they try to manipulate you to support these wars. So it's a typical example of disinformation, censorship, and lying to build up a frenzy in favor of complete uh, funding for the war machine. And I think that's something that, that Americans haven't figured out yet. Well, as I covered just recently in my very important interview with Nathan Reynolds, Nathan is a guy who escaped the Illuminati family, the Reynolds family, after years as a child of systematic satanic ritual abuse and horrors beyond imagining, Harley. And Nathan reminds us of the history of these folks, the bloodlines going all the way back to Cain and Abel and before. And they are beholden to a very dark power. They actually believe they're the descendants to the fallen ones. So let me do a screen share and uh, I want your thoughts on this. Cliff High just covered it and he sounds a lot like me and Nathan Reynolds in our conversation reminding people of the Kazarian Mafia. They're sacrificing the Jews and the Palestinians. And I have a question for you, Harley, based on the lies of 9-11. Okay, when they whipsawed America into going into Iraq and killing half a million Iraqi children and millions more, and in Afghanistan, have we learned nothing 
Have we learned nothing? Has humanity learned nothing from these false flags? And by the way, we've got intelligence that says the Egyptians warned the Israelis 10 days before this attack and the Israelis did nothing. Well, that's reliable what the Egyptians are reporting. It's also coming from Israel. I mean, this is another thing people in the United States aren't hearing. The major newspapers in Israel, Haaretz, Yediot, Al-Hanot, even the Jerusalem Post, are running attacks against Netanyahu, saying that how could this have been an intelligence failure, given that what the amount of money and personnel and effort that the Israelis put into watching everything that moves, how could this have happened? And I think that's it's not fully answered yet, just as 9-11, we don't have the whole story. But the idea that, that these things are used to create a, a different policy, to create a shift. What happened after 9-11 was the security state and the wars, the endless wars. Now, what, what's going on in Israel right now? Netanyahu's about to be put in prison. He's a crook. He's an honest-to-God crook. He surrounded himself with crooks. His uh, national security advisor, Ben Gavir, is someone who's an admirer of Mayor Kahani, the racist uh, who was involved in creating the party Koch, which called for running all the Palestinians out of Israel. These are people who are in government now with an intention of grabbing every last acre of land and they use the, the pretext of this attack. Now, you don't have to be a supporter of Hamas or, or the attack to say that there's something fishy about the whole thing. And that's anyone who knows something about how history works. And you mentioned 9-11. Same thing happened in 1973 with the Yom Kippur War, where, again, supposedly Israeli intelligence was down. And as a result the Egyptian and Syrian armies were able to get close to uh, or inside Israeli territory. Now, what happened after the 73 war? Henry Kissinger's oil hoax, which jacked up the price of oil, established the basis for the petrodollar, and was used to finalize the move from a fixed exchange rate to a floating exchange rate. So all of these things have a context, but the People who generally watch television or get their news from the uh, so-called official mainstream media uh, get manipulated from hour to hour as though they're watching a, a football game and don't know the backstory. And it, that's why it's so crucial that people actually understand that there's something here that's beyond the headlines. And that's, that's, what, that's part of my job is to make sure that gets out. Well, Harley, let's dig into that backstory. Actually, I've got something I want to read to you from Badlands Media, Women, Children, and Terror, written by Eric Carlson in just one second. But we'll talk about the backstory, the Balfour Declaration. I covered that in detail just recently. Of course, the House of Rothschild, right? People need to understand how they're being manipulated and by whom they are being manipulated as U.S. cities on high alert amid Hamas day of rage threats. Now, Biden has allowed tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of young military aged men to storm over the border, right through the southern border. So if and when any of those men are activated by any of the groups that control them, they can tell the American people whatever they want. They can propagandize and blame it on Hamas. And I'm not saying Hamas isn't capable of it, but my God, Harley, they've got us whipsawed and they will use and they do use propaganda to control humanity. So we're just sounding the alarm here and trying to warn people 
buyer beware. You've got a criminal government and you can't believe a thing that comes out of their mouths. Well, and we'll go into the backstory in a second. But uh, when you talk about Biden, he went on and, and talked about seeing video of 40 beheaded babies, which it turns out there's no such a video and it doesn't exist. How do they get away with something like that? Well, that's the whole point of the disinformation mafia, which is part of the media cartel. And the whole idea of that is to present a narrative which uh, is potentially believable, but which you can't challenge. If you challenge it, you're called a pro-Hamas terrorist or a, a pro-Putin man or, or a, uh, a, an anti-Semite. But if you do go back into the backstory, and, and I'll go a little bit before the Balfour Declaration, but I can be quick with this. You, you have to go back to the turn of the century, the beginning of the 1900s, where the British decided that the greatest threat to the British Empire was a German-Russian economic alliance. And they put everything they had into defeating that, in, including uh, funding the Japanese and the Russian-Japanese War in 1904-1905, uh, forming the Triple Entente with France and Russia against Germany in 1907, World War I. And then what happened in World War I? Well, before Balfour, there was something that very few people know about called the Sykes-Picot Treaty, a secret agreement between Britain and France to carve up the Middle East. Uh, Britain was given Palestine, uh, Jordan. They eventually took Saudi Arabia uh, and southern Iraq. Uh, the the uh, French were given Syria and uh, Lebanon and southern Turkey. And those mandates lasted until the late 1940s. And how, why did they do that? Well, it wasn't because of oil. It wasn't because of, of any of the usual explanations. It was because they were terrified by the possibility that a Eurasian power, namely Russia, might link up with China, perhaps a, an independent India, to use the land in the geographic area we call the Middle East as a connection point to outflank British control of the seas. Remember, the British had the Mediterranean, the Red Sea, the, the Persian Gulf or the Gulf of Arabia, and the Indian Ocean. That was part of their naval empire. The fear was that if you had a land-based power that used rail and other uh, kinds of technologies to take over that area, it would cut off the British connection to India. And so it's in that context, then, that the Balfour De Declaration in 1917 comes out. And what was the issue there? Well, Lord Balfour, the uh, foreign minister, sent a letter to Lord Rothschild saying that we are now prepared to give a Jewish homeland. And based on what? How could the British give territory that at the time was still controlled by the Ottoman Empire? And that's what they did. And why did they do it? Because they loved the Jews so much? No, because they use the Jews the same way they're using Ukrainians, the same way they're using Palestinians as sacrificial lambs for the greater purpose of British geopolitics. And that's why LaRouche has always said that when you look at this situation, don't look at it as Jews versus Muslims or Arabs versus Israelis. Look at it as a subsector of a global battle of the British Empire against the potential for sovereign nation states. And this is especially important for the Israeli case because there's now stories coming out 
everywhere except, I think, in the United States, about how in 2009, when Netanyahu came back in as prime minister, he made a decision to fund and build up Hamas as a counter to the Palestinian Liberation Organization. Why? Because he figured if you had two different groups, you'd never be able to have them merge and have a national solution, namely a Palestinian homeland on the territory that had been granted them by the United Nations. So the, in a sense, you see the evil genius of the Balfour Declaration and British geopolitics. You use religion, tribal loyalties, national loyalties, and, and so on to create conflict so that the empire over the top is able to control the situation. And that's what's happening now. And, and people who think that we have to choose sides and, and one side is good, one side is not good. You know, in this case, it's hard to defend what Hamas did. And we don't even know for sure if they did what they were told, what we're told they did. But what we do know is that they've been oppressed. They've had two to three generations living in this tiny, tiny area with 2.4 million people. And now the Israelis are cutting off food, water, uh, and medicine uh, to, to the people there. And as you pointed out, send, uh, telling 1.1 million they have to evacuate. These are war crimes. This is against, against international law. How do you uphold a rules-based order by violating international law? And yet the, the moron at the, the State Department, Anthony Blinken, is over there saying, we're with you all the way. Remember, Blinken is a protege of Madeleine Albright who justified starving to death and killing 500,000 Iraqi children by the sanctions. She said that was worth it to get rid of Saddam Hussein. So the, the, the real criminals are those in, in the United States, deep state and the British who are directing this from the top. Well, that's why we have you on. No need to read that piece from Badlands Media and Eric Carlson. I showed it on screen as you were talking and basically what he wrote. You probably hadn't read that. It syncs up with exactly what you were saying at the exact same time. And when you talk about this rules-based order, there is no more order because these people love order out of chaos. And what they're causing now is chaos. And one of the questions I have for you is why? Is it because they've lost control of the Ukraine narrative? Is it because they've lost control of narratives globally? And that's why Klaus Schwab has fast-tracked UN Agenda 2030 with the UN, and now it's essentially UN Agenda 2025. Because when you think about terror, look no further than the United States and Blinken and Biden, the puppet to the regime. U.S. to send depleted uranium munitions to Ukraine? I mean, the war crimes never end, and nobody's brought to justice as long as you're on the Rothschild Rockefeller side, Harley. No, there's no consequences. You can do whatever you want. And you say that we're doing this to defend the rules-based order. And you can make the, the most preposterous case for it. Like we're the democracy and we're fighting authoritarianism. Well, Zelensky has no democracy in Ukraine. They've shut off, they've shut down elections. They've, they've jailed political opponents, shut down opposition newspapers. Where's the democracy we're defending? Similarly, we talk about Israel as the sole democracy in, in the Middle East. But if you speak out against the government, you end up in prison. And if you're a Palestinian, you may end up dead. You know, here's something for you. I just heard this today. Suella Braverman, the really terrible person who's the Home Secretary in Britain, sent an order to the police, the, the British authorities, 
saying that you can arrest someone for waving a Palestinian flag in London. So it's not even a question of not being allowed to speak. You can't wave a flag. Now, this, you ask the question, why is this happening? Look, the Ukraine situation has collapsed. The narrative of the great counteroffensive, the, the 40 to $50 billion that went into that from the United States, the pledges for another 40 to $50 billion, which fortunately were, were held up with the dumping of Speaker McCarthy, but they're going to come back for it. Biden just announced another $300 million today. But what's it done? The American people are not stupid. We may be manipulated and gullible. But we've been asking, where are the victories? Where's this great counteroffensive directed by NATO and the geniuses of the U.S. military and the courageous Ukrainians? Well, the courageous Ukrainians are dead. And the leaders of the U.S. military are saying, look, this isn't going to work. That's what General Milley said. It, not, it will not work. We can't beat the Russians. So all of a sudden, you have this Middle East crisis and Ukraine is no longer in the front pages. The other point here, though, Sean, is that what they're really par uh, paranoid about is what's happening with the financial system. There have been several meetings recently after the Jackson Hole, Wyoming Federal Reserve meeting. There was a meeting in Marrakesh of the uh, essentially World Bank IMF. And what they're talking about is what's going to happen with the bond markets in the next months ahead, because something like... Uh, 70% of bond trading right now is being done by hedge funds, which means bonds, which are government bonds, U.S. government bonds. I think it's about a $45 trillion market, which should be the most secure there is, are now in the hands of speculators who are moving the yields up and down by the day. Why is that happening? Well, quantitative easing uh, created the hyperinflation or the, the inflation, let's not exaggerate it. But now they're finding that the tightening of credit is not stopping the inflation. Not only that, but the, the tightening of credit is shutting down industry. And I, I can just give you a quick picture from Germany. In, in Germany, one third of the companies that are called Mittelstand, that's small and medium enterprises, mostly high tech engineering firms, that are the driver behind the auto sector, the steel sector, the chemical sector, one third of them have either left Germany or gone into bankruptcy. And another th one third are thinking about leaving the country. Uh, this is a catastrophe because the auto sector was the driver of Germany and the driver of Europe. And the, the blowing up of the Nord Stream pipeline has created a situation along with the green policy of shutting down nuclear, where we're not going to have electricity if this is a cold winter. So virtually everything these geniuses around Klaus Schwab came up with. And you know, Schwab is a front man. I don't know why they picked such a rotten figure for a front man, but he's a front for the city of London and Wall Street and the corporate cartels. The same corporate cartels that in the 20s and 30s, 1920s and 30s, put Hitler in power. The same uh, playbook, the idea of corporatism, that you have corporations that are so powerful they can dictate the terms to government. And that's what we're seeing today in the United States. So you have a kabuki theater of Biden being propped up to make some statement. You have the so-called debate in the Congress. 
And then what happens? Another 100 billion to Ukraine, another round of quantitative easing that goes to bail out the bankrupt banks, but no credit for industry and productive enterprises. So what happens when the Kabuki theater collapses? The question is, are the people well enough aware of who's doing this and why and what the alternative is so that we can use this to get rid of them? And I think we're coming to that point pretty quickly because the, the credibility of the media is, is gone. Credibility of most politicians is gone. You know, you look at Biden's popularity ratings. Look at in Germany, Olaf Scholz's party, the Social Democrats, got 8% in a state election in Bavaria, which is the largest state in Germany. 8%. The Greens lost 6% from their last election. The coalition government in Germany is collapsing. In France, Macron is never really more than about 25%. Uh, so the question is, will there be some grouping that can emerge with a strategy and a policy that can get us out of this? And I, I think if you look over the horizon, look to the east, and you see that the countries in the global south are actually growing because of the approach of the uh, what Russia, what China, what India, with South Africa, the move away from the petrodollar system. And remember, petrodollar system goes back to the 1973 war and Henry Kissinger. So it's a, a longer cycle, but it's these kinds of cycles that shape history. And if you know what's behind them, then you have the power to do something about it. And what we try to do here so very hard at SGT Report, and of course, every time you're a guest, Harley, is shine the light on the puppet masters behind the throne, right? Behind the rulers, behind people like Macron, a Rothschild banker, behind Trudeau, Castro Trudeau, behind the Clintons. What you're seeing on screen here is Lady Linda Rothschild and her husband, Evelyn de Rothschild, with the Clintons. And you guys will recall when Hillary Clinton was running for president, one of her biggest supporters was Linda Rothschild. We have the emails to prove that they were very chummy. And what you're seeing right here is Jacob Rothschild, the fourth Baron Rothschild. And what I'm about to play for you, just to remind you who the puppet masters are, at least to some degree, there are others, as Nathan Reynolds has pointed out, names that are never publicized. But imagine the Rothschilds in the inverted nature of what they call our reality. Rothschild, the Belfour Declaration, the creation of the state of Israel, the hijacking of the Jewish story. So you can't criticize the Rothschilds or bankers or you're a dirty anti-Semite. Meanwhile, tens of billions of dollars to Ukraine. I want you to hear from the man himself, Jacob Rothschild, about how pleased and proud they are of the Belfort Declaration and their role in the creation of Israel. He gets to Belfort and he unbelievably persuades Belfort and Lloyd George, the prime minister, and most of the ministers, that this idea of um, the national home for um, Jews should be allowed to take place. I mean, it's so, so unlikely. It, it and then he you know, starts to fight a difficult battle with the British cabinet, and this uh, letter goes through five drafts, as you know. And in the end, it comes out as a rather compromising letter. I mean, the essential point is there for um, the Jewish community to fasten on to. 
You have the first bit, which promises a national home rather than the national home. And then you have the bit that nothing that's to be done should um, in any way harm the Arab community. But you come back to the big point, which is that this is perhaps the greatest event in Jewish life for thousands of years. Okay, Harley, literally, you just heard Jacob Rothschild at Watteson, right? A castle so grand that when European royalty would come to visit, they would say, this is only a home the Rothschilds could build. Unimaginable wealth. And now they own essentially a nation state. If you looked at the Israeli Supreme Court, it was designed and constructed by the Rothschilds. Before we move on, Harley, any uh, input on anything I just said? Well, I, I think the, the, the most important point is that the Rothschilds are one of the leading figures, but you have a whole grouping in what's called the City of London, which is centered around them. And these are the ones who make policy. And just one example of that, the, the Israeli situation is, is one. An, another example is Russiagate. In 2018, the city of London put out a report which essentially said Donald Trump must not be reelected because if he is, it will end the special relationship between Britain and the United States, which will greatly diminish British power. Now, what is British power? The country is a, is a hellhole. You, know, you have... 40-hour uh, waits now in emergency rooms in, in British hospitals. You have constant strikes. You have the breakdown of transportation and healthcare. Well, at the same time, you have a club of billionaires called the City of London that runs something called the Privy Council. An example of that is who's one of the operatives of the Privy Council? Trudeau. Trudeau. Exactly. Yeah, when he was sworn in, he swore his fealty to the Queen of England and her Privy Council. I had no idea her Privy Council included these City of London bankers. Well, and that's the government of Canada, according to the Canadian Constitution, not the elected prime minister. He serves at the behest of the Privy Council. That's why it's not surprising that Trudeau welcomed a, a veteran of the Nazi SS uh, in the Canadian Parliament and then did a, a two-step to try and back away from it and blame it on Russian disinformation. You know, the, the fact of the matter is that we've been told there are no Nazis in Ukraine, that the, the, this is a Putin propaganda line, and yet they're popping up everywhere. So, you know, this is where you see the, the role of, of a grouping like the Rothschilds, uh, who are the prime into Paris, the, the first among equals, you might say. But you have other groups like Lazard Frere, which produced uh, Felix Rowett. You have newly minted billionaires like Michael Bloomberg, the former mayor of New York, who's one of the key figures in the global green movement. You have King Charles, who hates human beings, loves talking with plants, and is committed to reducing the world population. So this is what an oligarchy is. And the oligarchy operates through corporate cartels where they bring people into their, their networks, like the, the tech billionaires. Why should people be surprised that the tech companies are working in the Ukraine war against Russia for free in some cases? So we're dealing with an oligarchy, and, and that's against the tradition of the American Republic, which was brought together in a war against a British oligarchy. 
that's another one of these big ironies that's part of the backstory. Well, Harley, let me play you this clip because it's a clip of mountain bikers running into King Charles walking alone on one of his vast properties in Scotland. Of course, he pretty much owns Scotland altogether, right? (laughs) But uh, let me play this because he sounds like such a down-to-earth normal guy. And the bikers have the same reaction saying, oh, that was our king. He was so wonderful. He's so nice. And it just makes you wonder how these people can be such bloodthirsty killers. Listen to this. Do you have a do you have a stay in the estate house there? Never used to. Yeah. Camp. You can't. When I was very young, <laughs> my father and my sister. Is it ever used nowadays? Occasionally. Yeah. Well, another generation wants yeah. to do things like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, mm. do use it. Yeah, absolutely. It's just lovely. I mean, a picnic or a barbecue or something. Anyway. Well, lovely yeah. to meet you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Take care. Don't fall off. No. Problem. <laughs> Take care. Listen well, for the helicopter. <laughs> That was a king. <laughs> that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. What a nice man. It's hard to believe they're so monstrous. <laughs> well, you know, the, the, the Hannah Arendt talked about the banality of evil. You know, that the, the, the people, to, to be evil like that, you don't walk around with blood dripping from your teeth and a, a machete in your hand. You have other people do that. You create an image, and King Charles has this image of being a little bit kooky, but committed to saving the planet. Saving the planet from what? Fossil fuels? From efficient electrical production? You know, the the whole, if the story gets out on how absolutely evil these guys are, uh, you know the the public relations falls apart. But but what your your, your clip, I'm sure, is part of a orchestrated public relations campaign to make him seem like a normal guy, just like they tried to convince you that the Queen of England was really just a a nice lady who had the best interests of the Commonwealth at heart. I want people to understand that, yes, even though they present themselves as normal folks to some degree when he's not wearing a crown, (laughs) looking like a fool on a a throne, (laughs) they present themselves as normal people. And that's far from the case. They're bloodthirsty. And you know that Prince Charles loves to talk about his ties to Vlad the Impaler, you see. That's why they have such a vested interest in the country, because we are related to Vlad the Impaler, you see. Well, and then they'll also tell you that they're uh, direct blood descendants, at least some of them will, direct blood descendants of Jesus Christ. You know, there's the Holy Blood, Holy Grail story in which the monarchy has a claim that when uh, Mary Magdalene left the Holy Land, she was pregnant with Jesus' child, and, and that be, was the beginnings of what became the British monarchy. You know, they, they create mythology. The, you know, we, we have mythology in the United States, like Paul Bunyan and Johnny Appleseed, people who actually transform nature for the better for mankind. The British and, and the old German mythology is basically about how super a super race is able to impose their will on all the the underlings and that's how they view the world that's how prince charles now king charles views the world his father prince philip famously said that if he could be reincarnated he'd like to come back as a deadly virus to do something about overpopulation charming huh yeah and these are the people you mentioned they they control scotland these are the people who run the gang, counter-gang operations of British intelligence, such as the creation of the Mau Mau in Kenya, 
the the terrorist Mao Mao to uh, rape nuns and burn down churches to counter the anti-colonial Mao Mao movement. They, they did the same thing to create the terrorism in Ireland and Northern Ireland. And the same thing, the, the story that's out now, which I mentioned earlier, in 2009, Bibi Netanyahu had the Israeli military arm and train Hamas to counter the Palestinian Liberation Organization. The idea being that if you had this conflict, you'd never have to worry about a unified Palestinian state. Underneath it all, it's an anti-national sovereignty movement. That's what was launched by the British with geopolitics. That's what Klaus Schwab and the WEF represents. Why fight sovereignty? Because sovereign nations, if they're truly sovereign, are there to represent the interests of the general welfare of their population. And if you have elected governments to do that, they will not take orders from corporate cartels and bankers. And that's what the fight in the world is about today. That's why there's so much anger about the BRICS, the Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. Keep in mind, Sean, that the BRICS just recently when they met in South Africa added six new countries. And what were they? They include Egypt, Iran, Saudi Arabia, and the United Arab Emirates, four nations in this region which is now threatened with the possibility of a bigger war. So that's how they operate. They don't accept opposition. They go out to crush it. Yeah. And the reason I mentioned those emails between Lynn DeFoster Rothschild and Hillary Clinton is because Hillary Clinton's best buddy was Lynn DeFoster Rothschild. And imagine if Hillary Clinton would bend the knee to the Rothschilds, just as she and Bill did in those pictures. Well, imagine what Puppet Joe does. He certainly doesn't represent we the people, but we all know that. And again, I said, imagine the inverted nature of what they call our reality, a reality in which Americans like Harley Schlanger are put on a Ukrainian hit list for daring to speak truth about what's going on in that proxy war between Ukraine and Russia funded by the United States. Now, you're in good company, Harley. Journalist Jack Posobiec was just added to that same kill list by the tranny. Remember the tranny? Yeah. <laughs> the guy dressed as a woman in Ukrainian military garb talking about the great comeuppance in their kill list. Who is named as an official spokesperson for the Ukrainian army. And then they forced her or him to resign. But, you know, when you mentioned the kill list, they just put out a new one last week and, and my name was back on it again. So they don't forget these things. Now, hopefully they are not so stupid that they're going to start killing Americans. But here's the important thing. Behind this committee to counter disinformation, the so-called Ukrainian uh, under the Secret Service, the, the, the target list, is NATO. They're coordinated through NATO and NATO's project to counter disinformation. So the reason I'm put on a hit kill list is because supposedly I'm a Putin puppet who's putting out Putin talking points against the freedom and democratic loving people of, of Ukraine. So you, you mentioned the topsy-turvy world. That's what they're trying to get people to believe, that if you don't go along with the narrative, you must be with the enemy of the people. And you know, if this is not Orwellian, I don't know what is. Well, would we expect anything less than that in the end times? Look, I don't know if we're there yet. You know, the time is near. Nobody knows the time. 
but boy, they're really trying to bring about the prophecy of, of the book of Revelation. And I talked a lot about that with Nathan Reynolds. You know, I asked him, is this all just being made to happen on purpose? It feels like it's being orchestrated, biblical prophecy being orchestrated, right? It just seems like they're taking us there on purpose and people need to be aware. World War III, Albert Pike wrote about this. They're going to bring us to our knees. All the nations will be so exhausted morally, spiritually, and financially, they will beg for a one world government and a one world religion. Well, and that's why, since we don't know the timetable, we have to escalate our mobilization to get the American people to recognize that they're being played for suckers. And when you're played for a sucker by this gang, it means you're going to be dead. And we have a brief period of time where we can do something. And, and it's not just about the election campaigns. You know, it's, it's about being smart and seeing through this and having discussions of a philosophical and historic nature. Because what's been stolen from us is classical culture, especially history, drama, tragedy, uh, classical, uh, the, 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 the elements of classical education. And instead, social media, uh, sex, drugs. You know, we've, we've been put into a situation where people are not able to think straight. And that's how this thing can work. So, you know, again, Sean, as I always do, I salute you for the work you're doing. Uh, we may not agree on everything, but we agree on the most essential thing, which is that we have to fight for our constitutional sovereign republic. Damn straight. Boy, I don't know what we don't agree on. We should do a show on that sometime. I don't think there's much we don't agree on, but uh, I'll remind people. And Harley will tell you how to reach out to him directly if you'd like to do that. But uh, the LaRouche organization, here's where you get Harley's updates. And don't forget to sign up and join his email list. Yeah, I do a daily 10 to 12 minute update. This week, it's been a little more than 12 minutes because we're taking up the unwrapping of this backstory that we were talking about. And, you know, the best place to go for it is to my website, the LaRouche Organization website, because with Facebook and YouTube, we're getting shadow banned. So where I was once getting 50 to 70,000 views, I'm now getting eight to 10,000. Yeah. I'm not even sure that that's accurate. But the, the point is, go to the website, get the, the video. I keep it short enough to give you the update in this context of history. And I think that's that's really the most important thing I can do. I do, too. I mean, you provide the antidote to this multi-headed hydra that worships the kingdom of darkness. As Nathan Reynolds told us, they are beholden to the kingdom of darkness, and they do believe that they are the bloodlines to the fallen ones. That's what we're up against, folks. And about all Harley and I and anybody else can do at this point is try to wake up our friends, neighbors, and colleagues so that we're not whipsawed into World War III. Because that seems to be where they want to take us, World War III, and it will be hell on earth. Guys, you got to put aside the bloodlust, the thirst for vengeance. That's what they're selling the American people right now. Pundits like Ben Shapiro, Sean Hannity, Nikki Haley, the neocon, they're bloodthirsty. And woe unto them who fall for that, because it is going to be hell on earth. And I don't want that blood on my hands, Harley, and I know you don't want it on yours. No, and, and the Israelis are saying in terms of Gaza, you wanted hell, you're going to get hell. So they're deliberately imposing on a mostly civilian population, which includes large numbers of children under 14 years old, uh, conditions of starvation, lack of medicine, lack of, of fuel. 
this is what is properly identified as satanic. That's right. Woe unto them who call good evil and evil good. And an eye for an eye in this case means World War III, guys. So unless you want your kids ground up in that meat grinder, you better start thinking, talking, and speaking truth. Our guest is Ben Harley-Schlanger. Harley, thank you so much. Thank you, Sean. See you again soon. God bless you, my friend, and your family. And friends, thanks so much for tuning in. If you're still with us, please spread this far and wide within your sphere of influence on social media. You don't want this blood on your hands either. May God truly bless you and your family. And I'll remind you every day for free, join us at sgtreport.com. That's the antidote to corporate propaganda and all of those Zionist mockingbird mainstream media lies. Bye-bye. For every single major world war, every single major conflict, the architects of our society, the engineers of our society, the custodians of our lives have found that the best way to do that is to foment animalistic revenge, vengeance. You have no idea what you're getting into. You have no idea the cost of war. When you look at total war, which is what they're talking about, people are demanding total war. When you look at total war, what you're going to involve is the absolute systemic destruction of everything that is humanity.